0: Paranormal Perception is made possible in part with support from Unearthing the Supernatural, a team of Native American investigators. You've seen them on Ghosted Adventures and Unidentified with Demi Lovato. Now you can hear them here as my spiritual and paranormal consultants. Follow their YouTube channel for their investigations, evidence reviews, and their new podcast, Meeting of Warriors. Unearthing the Supernatural are few of many, one story of thousands. Let them hear yours. The show is also brought to you by OC Paracon, taking place on October 1st and 2nd in Anaheim. Get all the info on OC Paracons' Facebook page And keep listening to find out how you Can win a VIP badge From Paranormal Perception Before you continue listening You should know that just because this show Has the word paranormal in the title Paranormal doesn't automatically mean Ghosts They're talked about here So are demons, spirits, but so are UFOs Or UAPs, aliens Conspiracies, prophecies In other words it's a new perception on anything and everything paranormal. You sure you're ready? Then let's proceed.
1: What is real? How do you define real? Before we get started, does anyone want to get out?
0: This show is your red pill for all topics in the paranormal. Parapsychology, Demons, Disclosure, Restless Souls, Conspiracy Revelations, Prophecy, Cryptocurrencies, Strange Creatures, The Metaverse. This is the world that you know. This is your guide through the new normal for the new decade. On this show, paranormal doesn't just mean things that go bump in the night. It means a new perception on the paranormal, a, a paranormal, paranormal perception, perception with Henry, Henry San, San Miguel. Miguel. You know, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you guys before we get into the show. It's your fault. It's because of you, you, all of you listening. You caused this. Talking about Orange County Paracon tickets, they're on sale. What you think I was talking about? They they're on sale now, and, and you caused it seriously because they're going to go on sale July 1st. But judging by the emails that I've gotten, the the messages on our Facebook and other social media, politely asking and thank you for that. Seriously, you know today, especially on social media, nobody's polite. So thank you for all of you. You know this is why I love my my listening audience. You guys still have manners. You politely asked. Um, when are the tickets going to go on sale again? When are when are they going on sale? And uh, I answered all of you July 1st. Now, I wasn't lying. This wasn't planned. It's just a, a feeling, we'll say, that because of your excitement, obviously, let's give you a, an early, not trick, a treat. Because, you know, that's what we do for Halloween, trick or treat. Yes, we do, me included. I mean, this audience, and me included, we celebrate the Spooky all year long, not just on one day, not just on one month. So we go trick-or-treating too, whether we have kids or not. So I'm going to give you an early treat. General admission tickets to OC Paracon are on sale right now. They really are. So, And just to make it clear, general admission is not a VIP. It is different. As you hear in the announcements, and I've mentioned it on the show, the, the VIP badges Those give you access to both days. You get a seat at Patty Negri's seance. You get a reading, either psychic or a tarot reading with Paranormal Pete. You get a Paranormal Perception t-shirt. You get Almost Said It. I I do know what the surprise gift from Unearthing the Supernatural is, but we're not quite ready to announce it yet. But you'll like it, uh, and you'll use it. Uh, There's a little hint. You're actually going to use it during O.C. Paracon. Uh, And I'll tease this. We're also not ready to announce this Yet, some of the other guests, they said, you know what? Can we contribute something to the VIP badge? And, of course, what am I going to say? No, you can't. Yeah, so there will be some other goodies attached to the VIP badge, the one you win, and also the one you can buy if, you don't, if you're not one of the winners. So the general admission doesn't include any of that, just so you're clear. And then you can buy two versions. One is the single day, either Saturday or Sunday, because, you know, I understand life gets in the way. You might have to work or, or something comes up. Uh, something's been scheduled before, uh, before I even announced OC Paracom. So I get that. Uh, but if you can join us on either day, either on Saturday or on Sunday, then you can get a single day ticket and join us for whatever day you can. If you are able to and you definitely want to go, then you can get the two day, which is exactly that, Saturday and Sunday. Now, again, Two day does not give you a seat at Patty Negri's seance or reading with Pete or any other things that the other things that I mentioned. For Patty's uh, seance, it's a separate ticketed event, and that's on sale also on the uh, on on the on the Eventbrite page. And there's a link to everything on the website. There's a link everywhere. You can't miss it. So, but keep in mind, the the two the the two day badge, general admission badge, is not the same as a VIP. So. And I know it's going to happen and it's okay. We'll, you know, we'll we'll deal with it if it happens. You guys are pretty smart. I don't expect too many of you, but someone's going to get excited and accidentally buy the 2-day thinking it's a VIP. Well, like I said, we'll deal with it when the time comes. But just so you know, so everybody knows, uh VIP gives you everything. General 2-day just gives you the two days. That's it. But they're all on sale. All the tickets are on sale now. So get your friends together, whoever you want to go with, and tell them, hey, tickets are available. Let's get them. Let's go. Let's get ready to go. That is October 1st, great way to kick off our favorite time of the year. Again, we celebrate Halloween all year long. We celebrate the spooky all year long, not just on one day, not just on one month, but what a great way huh, to kick off our favorite month of the year, listening from people that you've heard on the show, they've been on the show, but now you get to meet them get autographs from them, take selfies with them, uh, talk to them, become friends with them, uh, uh, and learn from them because they're, they're all going to be putting on, putting on great presentations. Uh, and the best part is, from again, from your messages, and I agree, you don't have to travel to the other side of the country. You don't have to travel nine hours away. They're right here. Those of you that are here in the Southern California area, in Orange County or in L.A., they're an hour, two hours at the most away. Two hours. Yeah, I know. It seems like a lot, but that's easier than nine hours or going across the country to, to, to meet your favorite person who's right here in L.A. anyway. So, again, uh, OC Paracon tickets, general admission tickets on sale now on the website, paranormalperception.show slash OC Paracon. Just go to that section. The links are on there. It's on our Facebook. It's on our Instagram. It, it's everywhere. You can't miss it. So they are on sale. So I teased, you've seen the teases, the countdown videos. It, it's out now. It was released uh, Tuesday of this week. It's a documentary called, yeah, I know. We talked about ghosts like the past three, four weeks. Time to change it up a little bit. Let's go back to aliens, UFOs, but not what you think. We were going to talk about abduction, alien abductions this time. It's called Alien Abduction Answers. It's not available on, on Apple TV. Amazon Video, Voodoo, Vimeo On Demand, Google Play, and I have a link on the show description for you guys to get it. Just click on the name, it'll take you right there. On to the talk about it is the director, and you're also, also going to see him. He's one of the experiencers in, in the film. John Yost. John, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
2: Thank you very much for having me. Henry. I really appreciate
0: it. And Thank you for coming on. So, uh, I was going to read your entire, the uh, the bio that you sent me, but I said, you know what, let me just have John tell tell everybody what what he's done and what led you to this. Uh, Well, you all of you listen, you'll see it's a very personal film. Yes, it's a good film, but it's a very personal film to John. You'll see why as we go along. So tell us quick, um, before we get into the, and by the way, it is out right now To all of you listening. We're not going to get into spoilers. We're not going to give anything away. We're not going to tell you Death Star blows up, Darth Vader is Luke's father, spoiler for a... 40-plus-year-old movie if you haven't seen it, but um, so we're just going to tell you the story behind it. So go ahead and tell your story first, John. Um, what's been your career leading to the documentary?
2: Sure. Um, I, I'm i just normal kid, went to high school, went to college, ended up working with um, U.S. Customs, and under the jurisprudence of the Treasury Department, became a U.S. Customs broker, traveled around the country, and Lived overseas for a while and did international business. I mean, that's it in a, in a nutshell. Um, after 10 years, I uh, just lost, lost the joy and uh, wanted a change of life. And so there was something I always wanted to do when I was a kid, and that was to get involved in film and television. So that's what I did. So for the last 20 years, I've worked for a company called uh, – well, I, I've been in this show business in, in television and film Um production and commercial uh, production and i and for the last 12 years i'm sorry i've worked for a company called rhino production which turned into rhino pictures and they've been around for about 38 years so i mean what, what i'm trying to get across is it's a very established company I've seen I've seen all kinds of different projects and um we've done all kinds of things uh you know sports true crime uh, History travel
3: channel that sort of thing, and um, really, what happened is it was actually an accident.
2: Big companies would come to us and say, "Listen, you know, we, we we have some idea. We need a crew to handle that business." And so we would we would I always say we're the guns for hire. We're the guys who turn the wrench, right? Yeah. And um, so we had an opportunity to do a paranormal show. And I, um, I, I, I didn't even think about it. You know, I was going to lead the team. I was going to be the line producer, and it wasn't even didn't even stop me from getting involved. We were just going about it business wise. And so um, we were in a place called Borrego Springs, California. And I don't know if you know it, but it's very flat. It's desert. It's arid. And um, we had been out in the field all night and seen nothing captured nothing, so we were downloading all of our really useless footage, I thought, and uh, sitting out at the pool, going to have a drink, and there were about 12 or 15 people with us, and um, I raised my glass, you know, we're going to toast, and I saw this glint in the glass, and my mind is thinking, you know, that's the moon, right, there's a moon, and, but then I realized there was no moon, this is one of the reasons we were filming, because there was no moon, it was totally black. And I was confused. I brought down my glass and right above my shoulder, about 45 degrees away from me, was this thing. It, it, was, it had an odd shape. It was almost like an egg. It had kind of a blue-green color to it. And it had its own luminosity. It was glowing from inside out. And my mind is racing. You know, I'm trying. I'm a very practical guy. I'm racing for an explanation. I'm thinking this must be like a Mylar balloon. You know, you know, you go to a hospital, you bring in,
3: get well balloons, that sort of thing. But it was as big as a Volkswagen. And it was close enough that I could throw a baseball and hit it.
2: So it totally freaked me out. And the people that we were with, I grabbed my cameraman to turn him and he says, what? And then all these people are, are saying, oh, welcome. Fantastic. I said, are you out of your damn minds? Do you <laughs> see what's going on here? I am losing it. And this
3: thing went in a zigzag position, a zigzag formation, and right above my head it stopped. And I froze. I was scared to death. And then it did another zigzag away from me, another 45
2: degrees, and then it just drifted off into the desert. And everybody was there. And they were all happy and excited. This is what they had wanted, they had wanted some sort of content. And I, to be honest with you, I thought it was all BS.
3: You know, this whole idea of human-initiated contact and CE5, I didn't know anything about it. So I, I, I was having a hard time. So I had to say my polite
2: good evenings, and I went back to the room and barricaded myself in there. I'm not proud of it.
3: But I was scared to death. And the reason I was scared to death is i have been lying my entire life about something that happened to me when i was seven years old and um i was awake and it happened and i don't want to give away any kind of spoilers but something happened to me and i i had an altercation with an entity and i fought and i was taken and um what had happened afterwards is I was marked from that altercation, my left shoulder and, uh, my parents were concerned
2: enough to take me to the hospital, I mean, to the doctor. And, um, uh, my father,
3: uh, came down on me pretty hard and he told me never to talk about it. And he didn't want me to scare my family. He didn't want to scare my sisters.
2: You know, I was a boy of seven and I would have done anything for my dad, And, um, So I lied about it and I lied about it my entire life. And, uh, and it was, it was just tell you, Henry, I've said this before in interviews, you know, it wasn't one of these things where I said, I am going to lie about this. it was one of these things like you wear eyeglasses, right? And so in the morning, you just take your eyeglasses and put them on. You don't even think about it. It's just part of your routine. So I would routinely lie about this. You know, I play a lot of sports, you're in the shower room, whatever. Hey, what the hell happened to your shoulder? And, uh, you know, I told people I got shot. I got bit by a bear. I, <laughs> anything
3: would have been better than to tell them, hey, listen, you know, I was, you know. And um, so when that thing stopped above my head about three years ago, I froze.
2: And all of those feelings and all of that terror and everything else that I have been
3: bottling up for over 40 plus years, Came back, and uh, and that's why I started to do
2: research and to. This is the genesis of the film. It was supposed to be my catharsis to try to deal with this, because I was not good at that.
3: I was I wasn't handling it, and uh, people could see. My family could see. My my colleagues could see, and I I couldn't let that happen. And I could not control myself. I was petrified of big sky, and I was absolutely petrified of big water. And, uh, and that's where you find me in this film. Petrified as an adult, and I have to figure it
2: out. And so I take the audience with me.
0: Well, wait, I have to play something because I am going to get a little bit spoilery.
4: Spoiler! <laughs>
0: Okay, so that's a little warning. Uh, It doesn't give anything away other than the very, very first couple lines in in the movie. You start the documentary by you saying the government knows who they are. It's time for both of us to tell the truth. Now, you know what kind of culture, what time we live in today, the cancel culture. And when you can't say say hi because it's going to offend somebody. So keeping that in mind, it's kind of a bold statement especially the opening statement for the documentary. So as a filmmaker, why'd you make the choice to
3: open with that statement? Well, um, as you know, the government has said for
2: what five decades, they haven't been interested in UFOs. They haven't been interested in, in this and anybody who was, they were an idiot and they wore a tinfoil hat and they would try to ruin them. And you know, probably even worse. And then, you know, a couple of Decembers ago, all of these <laughs> sightings come off on naval ships and then there's investigation and then they put out a report that over 145 of these reports and they can't explain them. And, and then we find out that they've been, they have been researching them for all these years. They have been lying to us all this time. And so I wasn't, to me, I wasn't saying anything that was controversial. And I mean, I certainly was telling the truth
3: about me being a liar, because I had lied for over forty-five years. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, to me,
0: honestly, and I'm sure any if you've seen it at this point, or those of you that are, that are going to see it, if you get it over the weekend, and again, I have a link to it on the show description. You guys can get it and watch it over the weekend. Those of you that see it, if it was an ex FBI or, or 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 some some you know big official like that. Who came out and made a statement like that? We would be like, "Oh, whoa! He he's a big, big statement there." But someone who, like you said, never mentioned this. You you've worked in the film industry, you've done films, you you do you know all, all these TV shows. For you to come out and say, you know what? Yeah, I know I've made these great films, probably some sci-fi films, sci-fi TV shows somewhere in there. I'm gonna say government knows, but but they've been lying about that. That's why it's such a big. Big deal to me, and, and, and really, anybody, I was hooked, for sure, when I first saw it. The moment I heard you say that, I'm hooked. I want to know, okay, what, what, else, what else is coming? What's the rest of the story? Uh, sure. And again, we're not going to give it all away, but for you, for John Yost, why was it important for you to, to finally, after all these years lying, why was it important for you to make this film
3: now? Okay. Um, it's a great question. Thank you. Uh, the deal was, as I said, I was
2: physically uh, impaired after that experience in the desert. Um, all, I, I Literally, all that poison, you know, if you lie enough in your life and you lie to cover a lie to cover a lie, it literally poisons you.
0: Yeah.
2: And it had poisoned everything. It had poisoned all my relationships. It had poisoned my work. Uh, it had changed me as a person. And, um, and I was having a really difficult time and it was interfering with my life and I was, I was having such a hard time going to my car because I had to walk out underneath the sky. I couldn't get near large bodies of water. I I, I was having major, major problems and so, um. I started to do all this research because I, I I needed some help. I had never looked at this; it wasn't interesting to me. I never wanted to research, but then I started to find out that all of these people had had these types of experiences—some very similar, some very different. But I needed to know, and so I this started as me trying to heal myself. And I would ask people if I could, you know, record them and 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 I I told them that I was doing research for a film, you know, really wasn't a lie, but it wasn't I was never supposed to be in it. That's it wasn't it was supposed to be like one of those classic kind of documentaries where I kind of catalog this and behind the scenes I was using the
3: information to heal myself. And um and really what happened was since you've seen the film, you know this. I there's a part in my abduction that I could not remember. I mean, I remembered everything. I woke up, I was
2: I was completely awake. I was walking around, I was in the bathroom, I you know, I was totally awake. And I remember everything, and I fell down, I had to go to the doctor, the whole bit. But there was a place in this, and you'll see it in the film, where I'm struggling with this entity. There's a flash of light, all of these light and everything else. And when I finally come back to my senses, we've changed position. His, I say him, the entity's back is to where I was in the bathroom. And my back is to the stairs. But I could not tell you what happened there. And I had never thought of that. But when I was interviewing all these people, that kind of came up. And I said, now that I'm... Addicted to finding out what happened to me, I have to know that piece too, and that's what led me to uh, a woman named Deb Shakti, and um, and she does quantum hypnotherapy, and and basically what it is is it, it's a it's a way to relax you enough because there are so
3: many things that stop you from remembering trauma, fear, um, stress. Um, to relax you enough that you can open up the filing cabinet in your head and pull out the information. And when she did, um, it was
2: it was different and it was strange, as you know, Henry. It was different than what even what I thought it was. Yeah. And um, and so we uh, we made sure that was all on tape because I wanted it for my own personal you know healing. And then it was clear to me at that point that the film. Needed an arch, and, and this could all be part of it because this is really a story of people who have had tremendous things happen to them. They do not know how to handle their paradigm, their Western mind just does not handle this as well, and so all kinds of problems happen. Uh, and so it was my quest to deal with that and to live with that, and so I wanted to help other people then, and. Uh, and that's really the kind of the backbone of the film but what you do is you meet you meet really good salt of the earth folks from around the country who have had incredible things happen to them and um and i you know y- you feel empathy for these folks you know they're your friends you could see yourself on screen you could see your uncle your aunt your boss your brother these aren't crazy people they're people with high de- you know high collegiate degrees they have their own businesses they have all they're a mom. They're a dad. They're
3: normal folks, and uh, they've all had this experience with other, and uh, and they've all dealt with it different ways. And so, that's what uh,
2: that's what the people will see when they watch the film.
3: Not for you, li- living
0: this lie, and the fact that it is autobiographical. The uh, the documentary. How many versions did you have to go through before you got to the version that's out now? And I say that because talking to other writers, when they write, especially when it's an autobiography about something really traumatic, it takes them a while to get to the, to the final version. For you, how many tries did it take to, to you were happy with it? One take. Really? Yeah.
2: Um, I, with everybody, what I did was I just took the raw. And I didn't, we never went back. We never re-edited what they said. We never cut and, and changed the story. A lot of people do that. And I find that detestable myself. And, uh, and then with me, um, my interview was at the end of the film. It was like after I had lived through everything and interviewed everybody and seen everything and experienced it all, then I could talk about it, you know, um. You know, because I had I had those experiences, and as far as me, when I you know you you saw the the uh, the, the hypnosis session, mm-hmm. there were a couple before that on other occasions because I, <laughs> look I'm going to tell you this, you know I'm uh, I'm kind of a I'm a big guy but six three two eighty you know and Deb Shakti is so small I could put her in my pocket. And she's telling me about how she's going to relax me and she's going to hypnotize me. And I'm looking at this little person. I'm like, I don't know if you can push me around like that. I don't know if that's going to happen. And I don't know that I can be hypnotized. You know, all of this stuff. And, you know, I'm scratching my head and I really want to know. I really want to know. But do I believe that that can happen? So she said, well, listen, why don't we try? Why don't we try so we had a couple of sessions before, we didn't talk about any of the events, but she just said, let's, let's see if we can relax you enough. And she would bring back, you know, other memories, you know, like my first haircut, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, uh, when I was a kid, you know, one of my birthday parties, that sort of thing. And uh, I and it built a rapport between us and a trust between us. And the way she described it to me, she said, look, every time we do this, we go, a little deeper, meaning that we have a better relationship and more rapport. And so this way, when we actually do it for real, uh, we'll be able to get to what you need to understand. And so when you see it on film, that's it. There's no special effects. There's no acting. There's no okay,
3: take two. No, no. You are watching it raw. Why was it important for you to include Whitley Strieber? Oh, uh, well, first of all, I didn't know Whitley Strieber at all.
2: I, I during my research, I bumped into his work, of course, and I said this guy has written so much on this topic, it would be great to get him, you know, in the film. And originally, I thought maybe he would come on and, and you know say a few things, and that was my greatest hope. But then, after speaking to him and him really interviewing me, because you know, look, Andrew, you you talk to a lot of people, you know, and and there are a lot of really honest and sincere folks, but they're also a bunch of charlatans. Yeah. And so he wanted to make sure. I mean, he's been around for a long time. and probably bumped into all kinds of people, and he wanted to make sure that I was on the up and up, right? So, um, as a as a precursor to our interview. I literally read every one of his books on the topic, and uh, he was very impressed with that. So, when we interviewed him, it just was a sprawling interview that took three hours, something like that. And so, once it, you you ask me, you say, you know, like how many iterations did it take? Well, when we had all that footage. He had answered all of these questions that I never thought that we would really ever use. And I said, This is a treasure. And if we don't use this, we are idiots. Because he's more than just a writer, and more than just an experiencer. He's a real philosopher. And so mm-hmm. what happens is in the film you see this traumatic stuff happen and you see these different questions that all of these experiencers ask themselves, like why me? You know? Why um and, and, and what's my mission? And what, all these other things that people have this constant questioning themselves. And he, because he's been around so long, he can put it in very nice, encapsulated language that allows you to see that trauma through another set of eyes. And, um, and so when we were, you know, putting him in, I said, we have to use it all. And, um, uh, and and that's why there there is nobody more prolific about abductions than, than Whitley Strieber and I I treasure his uh, his participation and I uh, we're we're not I don't want to say we're friends but we're very friendly now and I, I I really I I can't even call him Whitley I have to call him Mr Strieber every time I talk to him <laughs> because I just <laughs> I revere them so much.
0: Yeah, I've I've never talked to Whitley, but I, I I'm very familiar with his with his writings, his books, and uh, from coast to coast. Am I heard him all, sure. many times on, on there? I'm sure a lot of the listeners have also. So yeah, sure. it, it 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 was great to see him there, hear him there also. Now this this film, uh, I told you before we started recording. To to me, and it's not I'm not just saying this because you know we've become we've become friendlier and, and I I like you. You're a great guy. I'm not I would say this even if we had just met right now. This I've I've seen doing a show paranormal. I've seen just like I talked to a lot of different people. I've also seen different documentaries, films, uh, heard interviews on TV, on radio, and on everything about abductions. Some of them, yeah, I agree with you what you said earlier. Eh, I don't know uh, charlatans. Some of them for sure. Some of them just bad actors. Uh, others very believable. So the the way people see, and I, I would. I say with paranormal, with the ghost stuff, uh, a lot of it probably attributed to the TV shows that are out there. The, the, the ghost hunting, uh, paranormal investigating, it's a little bit more accepted than it used to be 10, 20, 30 years ago, for, for sure. Uh, UFOs now, they seem to be heading that way now, finally. Abductions, though, that's still sort of on the fringe. Even for ufologists, it's still kind of on the fringe. Uh, even in the, the, the ufology community, some believe in it, some, uh, I don't know about that. To, of course, bias, you're going to say yes, but let me ask anyway, do you think this film has the potential to give it a little bit more gravitas?
2: I really, really hope so. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you
3: this, Henry, the reason I, I do is because, look, if the government, and I posit this in the film, if the government, and I'm not talk, just talking about the U.S. government, I mean, all the governments of the
2: If they have gone to these kind of uh, extensive operations to hide the fact that they've been investigating these UAPs, okay, for 50 years, if they've gone to those lengths, how much farther would they have
3: gone to hide the fact that there's been some sort of alien interaction with their citizens? I mean, I can't even imagine the kind of protocols. So if you put that up against us, you know, Elon Musk is talking about going to Mars,
2: right? We've sent sent probes there. What do they do? Well, whatever they find, they scoop up, they take a sample, they run a test, right? It's just natural. It's just normal. If they had found some sort of life form there, they might try to, tranquilize it and tag it and follow it around, right? It's just logical. So why doesn't our mind allow us to believe that the same thing is happening to us? If we can accept the fact that, yes, these tic-tacs, yes, these crafts, yes, these things are here. Why is it so impossible for us? And I'll tell you why. This is our ego. This is a paradigm shift. Look, people can justify in their minds ghosts, even though they might not openly say they believe. Well, they can say, well, you know, of course, there's some sort of energy or soul or residual energy of the human. And because that's still us, you see, it's, that, it's still us. It's a piece of us. But it's something out there that's higher on the food chain, something much more powerful or much more intelligent, we become petrified because guess what? Now we're not in control. Oh my God, could you believe that they could just cancel out our, our our motor functions and take us however they want? That is petrifying. And I can tell you as a person who's taken, it is petrifying. Your ego gets crushed. You cannot control yourself. And that is one of the most frightening things in the world if you're not prepared. for.
0: It. Yeah. yeah, and you're right that To to me, I'll tell you the truth. This this your film made me really look, and I think a lot of people are are the same way I am because of twenty twenty and what's been happening with with you know with COVID and everything else. Everything seems to be going at like warp speed, ludicrous speed at this point. Really, everything that we we thought could never happen in our lifetime is happening, and then some. This I think is the the next logical step. That we it is time for first contact. I mean. Things are so crazy on this planet that it's gonna take somebody else from an, from from somewhere else to come here and say, you know what? Take a breath, everybody, calm down. Everything's gonna be okay. We've been here all along. Now, now the the abduction part of it, yeah, it could seem a little bit scary because I mean, just the word abduction, we we use that, you know, to to describe when kids get kidnapped. We say they're abducted. True. They're abducted. So when you hear that, okay, I, I get it. Maybe it's like. Well, maybe you should come up with a different word. I like when you, when you call them experiencers. I'd never heard it actually until your film. Uh, I like that word better than uh, abductees because it seems like yeah. you know they were kidnapped and then they were brought back. So that could kind of scare people. But I, I think it is time for this film, for a film like this, to to open up people's minds. I mean, you they they've been opening open up their minds about everything else, about vaccines, about um. A uh, one world government about you know all the stuff that that's been happening. So it is time, and I think that I, I really do think this film it can does have the potential to really bring a little bit more more gravitas into to the abduction phenomena more than just uh, uh tin foil wearing people or, or you know the yeah. the usual. So yeah. uh, again, it's it's called alien, alien abduction. Answers I have a link to on the show description. Gonna take a little break right now, and then when we come back, I'm gonna tie. We're gonna get a little bit scary now. I know I just said it. Uh, don't be scared, but we're gonna get a little scary here because, without giving too much away, those of you that have seen it, it came out uh, this Tuesday, this past Tuesday. So some of you have seen it that are listening. You know, there is a message hinted at there that might not be such good news for us. Now, when I heard that, I tied it right away to all of you listening, to the panel perception. You, you remember a few weeks ago. Uh, the guys from an earth and supernatural, we were all at vulture city and they completely by accident, wasn't planned, caught the cry of a thunderbird and they came on. We talked about it and, t- and what it means for a thunderbird to reveal itself at this time. Uh, it, 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 none of it was good. I thought of that. It, there's a little bit of a connection to the thunderbird revealing itself and w- what this message from the, um, from the aliens could, could potentially be. So let me bring them on. Yeah, I know you haven't heard them in a while, so they're, they're going to come back. So let me bring them on, and, and John, I'll introduce you to them and, and let, let you talk to them. Let, let them tell you how they see your film, Alien Abduction. and Well, it'll just be interesting, like, like they always are when they come on. So we'll do that right after this.
1: We interrupt this program to bring you important news.
0: <laughs> Instructions for being a VIP at OC Paracon. Step one. Follow the OC Paracom Facebook page. Step two, listen to Paranormal Perception every Friday. Take mental notes. Step three, go back to the OC Paracom Facebook page and read the week's question. Step four, send your answers to VIPTicks at GMX.com. Step five, repeat these steps through May 13th. We'll announce the winner on the May 20th episode. An OC Paracon VIP badge includes admission to both days, front row seating during speaker presentations, a seat at Patty Negri's seance, one tarot or psychic reading from Paranormal Pete, an OC Paracon t shirt, and a surprise gift from Unearthing the Supernatural. Winner is responsible for travel, hotel, and food, open to contestants 18 and over. On the first weekend in October, Anaheim is where you need to be to get ready for our favorite time of the year. Come with us
2: and you will see this our town of Halloween, this
0: is home. No, not there.
4: At, At Orange, Orange County, County Aircon 2022.
0: General admission tickets are on sale now through Eventbrite. Single day or weekend tickets available as well as tickets for a seance with Patty Negri.
2: Light and dark returning, luck be in the burning.
0: Meet Rick McCullum, Nicole Strickland, Unearthing the Supernatural, Jeff Dwyer, Bender Family Paranormal, and more. The full lineup is on ParanormalPerception.show slash OC Paracon. OC Paracon is the perfect way to kick off our favorite time of the year. So make sure you get your tickets and make us a part of your fall festivities. All info and tickets at ParanormalPerception.show slash OC Paracon. Just click the link in the show description to open a new tab. It's hot now, but in a few months the temperatures will fall. The nights will get darker. And Orange County Paracon will be here. Get all the info and tickets at paranormalperception.show/slash OC Paracon. Now, back to Paranormal Perception with Henry San Miguel. Alien Abduction Answers, streaming now. It's available. I have a link in the show description for you guys to get it. Some of you probably have seen that it. it came out on Tuesday. If you haven't, you're going to want to get it and watch it over the weekend and then again and again and again. This is a film that you definitely are going to want to watch over and over. So going on with our interview, with our chat with John Yost, the director, uh, you haven't heard him in a while. I got your emails. I explained last week why you haven't heard them. me mentioned Pattaya. That that's the reason why. But here they are, back again. They're not. They haven't gone anywhere. They're here, unearthing the supernatural here in Sean Clan. Hey guys, welcome to the uh, conversation here. Thank
4: you for having us. Good to be back, everybody.
0: Yeah, good to have you guys back. And it's kind of a continuation of a conversation we had before you guys went on on the little break. Uh, we talked about the sky people. We talked about UFOs. Uh, now we're going to talk about alien abduction. So let me. Either one of you take it. Start with. How do the Navajo people, how do you guys see alien abductions?
4: Yeah, so the Navajo and indigenous people, how we see uh, alien abductions is a little bit different compared to the, I guess, the norm that most people think of, uh, of abductions. We have a very, I guess, fine line that is drawn in the sand about what we consider to be abductions and what we consider to be spiritual. So... For the Navajo people, a lot of our stories, a lot of our ceremonies, and a lot of our, I guess, way of life, our being and every breath that we take is in the spiritual sense and being one with the environment all around us. But when it comes to the environment beyond what we see, beyond our sight, beyond our vision, beyond the horizons, there are tales of beings beyond what has been placed in the stars. And the Navajo creation story definitely talks about us coming from different realms, us coming from different worlds before this one. So those beings beyond the stars, those beings that were beyond what has been placed in the cardinal points, they say those are the beings, the star beings. And those creatures, those entities, those dimensional spiritual entities have an advanced knowledge, have an advanced perception. And they come from different realms of their own as well. And they say sometimes when you look up there, you respect those beings because they're beyond what our particular deities really dealt with. So there's a lot that kind of goes into viewing of the fine line between spiritual and alien abductions. So when it comes to physical... Uh, physical sense of things when be, people talk about the ships when people talk about the advanced technology that came about even before uh, the settlers came even before pre, uh, pre-contact there was talks and stories of uh, beings that would come from the stars, beyond the stars, that would actually interact with our own deities and so we have a little bit of an understanding of the spiritual, the alien, and the physical, and even the dimensional. There's a lot of different realms, a lot of different ways you can go about thinking about this, and a lot of different stories that talk about how they are interwoven, how they make uh, our creation stories and our ceremonies. And one particular instance, I'm going to actually want to talk to John about because he actually brought it up in his documentary, but, um, a couple things in the documentary that when we saw it, uh, it kind of sparked our interest. It sparked a little bit of fire within us. Is like, that looks a lot like, um, humblechas, which is actually a Lakota word for, uh, vision quests. So I'll actually let my brother talk a little bit about humblechas because he's actually has uh, recently, um, uh, participated in one.
1: Yeah, so when it comes to Amblechas and and the Lakota ceremonies, it was really interesting watching the documentary because when people go on Amblechas and they go on these Vision Quest journeys, they themselves fast and they pray and they they eat medicine in a sense they they do a ceremony to be able to prepare their physical body and spiritual body at the same time to become one and in simpler terms i guess you could say it's preparing the person and their physical and spiritual body to be on the same plane as whoever is going to approach this person and give them a message give them a teaching give them a lessons and when it comes to a lot of the creation stories of the northern tribes up there a lot of them in their creation stories they say they came from the stars they came from the sky and that is how their origin is on this world. And they always say, you know, whenever we finish our time here on this earth, we travel back up into the stars and we return home wherever we came from. And there's lots of stories, lots of accounts of during these humble people describing seeing these spiritual deities or not even just spiritual, but sometimes they correlate with a lot of what was said in the documentary as far as for seeing lights Even sometimes people say they see ships and they always say, you know, whenever you go on ceremony, whenever you go and do these things, you know, you take off into a spaceship because you, in a sense, get on the same wavelength. You get on the same level as these spiritual beings and these deities that come from the stars. And these deities and these beings, like how my brother said, have always come down to this earth. And if you were to go to some cave ruins uh For example, here in Arizona at South Mountain, there are petroglyphs of what looks like to be uh, a design of the mountain that was drawn onto a rock surface of these deities that came from the stars, these ships, these lights that came down from the stars, and they shoot into the mountain, And that was always really cool to be able to see that. And I recently found that out right there. So uh, how we mentioned in our previous podcast, talking about aliens and uh, ETs like that, You know, our our Indigenous people have always known about their existence and have seen them even before, you know, TV shows or, you know, any comic books of what represented aliens in the modern day. And that story of my great-grandmother, who hasn't even uh, really been experienced to the Western world, explains a plate that came down from the sky to grab herbs in the ground. So, yeah, so when you go kind of correlating back to the humblecha, you know there are stories of uh sightings of extraterrestrial being sometimes in uh these vision quests
4: and that's something that you kind of you have to really take um a little bit of uh, a step back from because when you're performing a ceremony when you're performing a sacred deed uh you're creating the particular environment for communication A lot of those times, that is communicating with the spirit world. The creator wants to see how much, how willing are you to be able to communicate, how you're seeking help, you're seeking a journey, you're seeking some sort of answer. What journey and what extent are you willing to take to be able to find that answer? And that's where it becomes to fasting, where it comes to no food, no water, and being out in a very secluded area and really making yourself one with the elements. And you're, it's a very sacred practice. Definitely something that's completely different from what a lot of people may think. This is a very intense practice to where you feel your, 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 I guess you're like almost passing away in a sense to where you get down to the level of the ant. You are one with all the beings around you and you're able to connect to all these instances. And that right there is very spiritual. And a lot of people all around may confuse some alien abduction stuff with spiritual encounters because the indigenous spirits and the world we live in all together is wholesomely connected like a huge spider web as far as for different dimensions as far as for different spiritual energies and when it comes to alien abductions and et's how the indigenous people see it they are actually beyond this particular web and they come to input their particular viewpoints their particular teachings and their particular interactions with our spirits with our physical entities and our uh, natural balances so it's you gotta kind of step back and determine Did I just have a spiritual experience? Did I have a dimensional experience? Or was this truly extraterrestrial? And that's something that as a medicinal person, when someone comes to you for any of these sightings or any of these particular happenings, you as a medicinal person have to determine what type of interaction did this person just go through. And you have to be able to kind of utilize what you have to find that out.
1: And I guess you can say John in your whole documentary and series that you're doing you yourself are on your own vision quest right now and it's really cool because the creator and god and everybody is seeing how much you're wanting to get the answers and that's pretty much you're showing your how much your dedication is to you in your search of knowledge In a sense, sense, you know, when you go and do like um, vision quests like that, too, in the same way, you know, you're proving yourself who you are as a person and you're letting them know what you're going to be able to do with that knowledge once it's presented to you. So in a sense, it's like tests throughout your whole life for everything that you're doing. So in a sense, you know, that's kind of like a a little bit of the Native American aspect on how, you know, we saw that. Thank you very
2: much. I, I,
3: I see it that way, too. Um, the the film begins with me being literally petrified because I I have no reference, I have no
2: background for what happened to me and I was a young boy and I had no one to speak to to give me guidance. I have to say that I'm I actually am very envious uh <laughs> you guys have that complete community around you that could speak to that and you have elders and and very wise people to, uh, to share with you that wisdom. Um, but I have, to, I have to share with you that I have come to some of the same conclusions that you have so uh, gracefully uh, given to me. You know, I, I really think that you know one of the reasons that people have such different reports of what is going on is because, number one, of their perceptions and all of their old baggage that, you know, they've had before and their training and their background or lack of. And then also, I don't think that we're dealing with the same thing always. And and hear me on, I'd love to know what you think about this. You know, just recently, the U.S. government has revealed that, yes, in fact, they've been lying all these years and they (laughs) they have, in fact, been investigating this kind of, you know, And so I, I'm certain that some of the things that people see in the sky are the world's governments. They have technology that we just don't understand yet. They're keeping it for themselves or for military purposes. So some of that stuff is, a, for lack of a better term, ours. I also had a very interesting
3: situation happen to me uh, as I was trying to build the film where I was... Um, walking towards a line of trees. And it was about 1 o'clock in the morning. And I got about 30 yards, 40 yards from the tree line. It was pitch black outside.
2: And there was this amber light that comes out from the center of the trees. And it hits me right in the chest. And I could literally feel the impact. There was something there and I thought I was being attacked and uh it was amber it was like a very very strong flashlight and there was somebody with me and I kept saying do you see this and just then a a blue arc blue crystal kind of light flew out from the top of the trees and then flew back down and I said oh my god did you see that and just then over here It was almost, if you've ever drummed your fingers, you know, like you were waiting or impatient, it was almost like there was somebody that drumming their fingers in the trees. And each one of the fingertips was a light. And I said, oh, my God, do you see this? And they're saying, calm down, calm down. And I, you know, and I, I, I'm not proud of this, guys. I'm not proud of this. I reached,
3: I usually carry a sidearm. I reached for my pistol. Because I thought I was under attack. And I didn't have one. I had specifically, to have these encounters and to be
2: out there in the field, I don't want to have anything offensive with me or defensive with. me. I want to come out there pure. So I didn't have it, but I was petrified. And then just then, the entire tree line lights up like a Christmas village,
3: like all these little tiny lights. And they came out at me. And I am standing there Out of my mind, afraid. And they got a few feet within me
2: and disintegrated all around me. And I could feel like this very, very cold air. And I breathed it in my lungs. And the person with me said, Are you okay? They had seen everything, but it was focused, this phenomenon was focused on me. And I said, Sure. And they walked me back to my truck. And I called my crew and I said, You're never going to believe this. I'm coming to meet you for dinner. There was an all-night diner, and they said, oh, we've already eaten. We're back at the hotel. For me, it was like 10 or 15 minutes. For them, it was two hours. And so that leads me to believe that there is some sort of intelligence, some sort of power that our Earth has, that there is something that's been living with us since the beginning of time, maybe older than us, some sort of intelligence. Maybe, we, maybe they're earth spirits or, uh, or, or, or will-o'-wisps or elves or some, something, people of the forest. I don't know what that is, but something like that. And then I think that we're also dealing with two other things. I think we are dealing with some sort of entity like us. A physical three dimensional living on another planet, exploring the universe and sending down probes and saying, Hey, what the heck is this? And, you know, and taking samples and whatever. And then I think last of all, we're dealing with what the West has always called angels and demons, something like an ultra terrestrial, something that literally can push itself into our dimension, push itself either through their consciousness, their physical power, or some sort of technology, and interact with us as we as as we see them and, and then disappear at will. And we have no control over that. I, I usually try to explain because people in my community cross their eyes when I say things like that, right? They think I have three heads. But when I say to them, I say, Listen, imagine if I was near a fishbowl and I push my face in the water. Now I'm breaking the plane of the water, literally pushing my face into a dimension that it's not normally there. And the fish sees this face. And the face moves like it, like nothing else it's seen. And the fish has no idea that the face is connected to a head, is connected to a neck, is connected to a body, is connected to an entire life outside the realm of the fish that the fish is there, and they notice the fish, but it does, it's not part of the bigger picture. It's, it's a small part. And the fish calls its friends and says, oh, my God, you need to see this. And they go up to the edge of the water, and there's no face, and there's nobody, and it's disappeared. And the other fish say, you're crazy. There's no proof. There's no proof. There's nothing there. I am absolutely convinced after making this film that all of these things are part of this mystery, and yet they're all connected. So when you gentlemen are telling me these very important things about your traditions, I am eating it up like a starving man because I am on a quest to understand. and I want to thank you. thank you
4: john, you're 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 definitely touched for sure and watching your film and actually seeing your mark. And it explains why they say when those who have been chosen to carry a story or have a purpose when it comes dealing with the other side or a greater sense of responsibility, they have these marks like you talked about in your film. And my brother can attest to the, the very big mark on my arm that I got when I started my journey that appeared. And it got me thinking, I'm like, wow, that so it's not just indigenous people, it's other people who have been touched and hearing about your stories, hearing about your your testimonies from what you're seeing, you're you're on a journey to where you're gonna experience. What that means is, you're gonna see through the eyes of the ant. You're gonna see through the eyes of yourself. You're gonna see through the eyes of in the trees, and you're gonna see through the eyes of the eagle, and then you're gonna see through the eyes of the stars, and you're gonna see through the eyes of the earth you look at life through all different planes of existence, and you empathize, and you can see through their eyes, you can see their lives, and you can feel what they feel, and like how us humans, we can only see a certain spectrum of light, we only have a certain amount of senses, but these other beings that talked about in that particular phrase, in that particular journey, they can see things that we can't feel things that we can't, have experienced things that we can't. Like they say, the oldest tree has survived so many different tragedies, has survived so many different hardships, and they've seen beings come and go. They've seen humans be birthed and humans go and leave this world. The oldest rocks and stones have seen life progress on this planet. And the stars have seen life progress on the other planes of existence. So... It's very interesting and very inspiring to hear about someone who's wanting to take this story and not just, I guess, not just use it for their own gains, but instead use it to help other people. And that's really, that's really good. And that's something that you were chosen to do. And that's something that you will continue to do in a good way.
2: Well, I I really appreciate the encouragement. I
0: thank you. Thank you very much. And we didn't even get to the Nemo comparison. Those I was, of I was you, just thinking that too <laughs> those of you that have seen the uh, their podcast you know what I'm talking about but the, the what I do want to bring up John and uh this is why I brought the guys on uh, we're gonna go back a little you panel on perception listeners you, you're gonna know what we're talking about uh some of you don't again another reason to go to the Underneath the supernatural channel and, and and listen to what we're about uh, about to bring up so I, I gotta I gotta play this again because I gotta get a little spoilery about the documentary
4: Spoiler <laughs>
0: Because there, towards the end of the uh, the, the documentary, the, the John says something that got me thinking, and I didn't know why until I thought back and I said, and it hit me. Said, wait a minute, it's something that happened a few weeks uh, ago at Vulture City, a few, a few weeks ago from when I when I saw the film. First of all, this is this is what John says in the film. There's something coming,
2: and it's going to affect. Every person on the planet.
0: So it, it's you're talking about a message. To me, the way I see it is, it's more of a more of a warning. You know, you, you don't you don't get into detail as to what exactly that message is, but you, you do say we we need to get ready. That's what made me think about. And you guys here, Sean Klein, jump in. What what you guys caught at Vulture City, and, and again, completely unplanned. Didn't, didn't plan that at all they caught the cry of a Thunderbird and we talked about it the week after that and what it means. So uh, I'll let you guys take it. Whichever one of you wants to take it, jump in, talk about first of all, what the Thunderbird revealance of what that means, what that could potentially mean to us, to humanity. And I'll see if I can tie it into what I think John's messages.
1: So, yeah, when we were doing the overnight investigation in Vulture city, we were, it was, I believe it was me, Hiro, Pattaya, and a few other uh, spectators inside of the building. And even before the investigation started, my brother performed a ceremony, a blessing ceremony for everybody for their protection as, as we go and interact with these spiritual beings. And uh, another renowned um, uh, paranormal uh, influencer in the paranormal field, John Zaffis, was actually there and uh, he's considered the godfather of the paranormal. And while we were performing the ceremony, he witnessed what looked like to be the outline of a giant bird fly over the entire town. And I remember he grabbed us right after the ceremony. He was just like, did you guys see that? And I was just like, see what? He's like, I just saw this giant bird fly over the whole town. And it was it was pretty r- remarkable and for him to see that and him not being a Native American uh, by descent, you know it was pretty awesome for somebody who isn't of Native American blood to be able to see that during a ceremony, and no, we were not partaking of any medicines or any uh even tobacco or anything like that. you know he was just a spectator, and he saw that fly over, and we were just like, "Whoa, okay, so we took that into consideration it's like okay let's we'll go ahead and think about this and then we proceeded to go and perform our um paranormal investigating to kind of show people how we communicate with spirits talk to spirits and while we were there uh our one of our camera guys that was there asked a question during uh while we were recording he said do you need protection asking the spirits if they need protection from anything and then immediately right after you hear the cry of the thunderbird and immediately hero and i in excitement i stood up from my chair and i pointed at him i like, that was a cry for the thunderbird his excitement and then worry immediately hit right after because and then okay specifically in the navajo culture for us the thunderbird was a monster it was a deity that used to go to our villages and grab people and take them to a nearby um, mountain or a cliff face and throw them against the cliff and eat them devour them and other tribes have their uh, stories of what the thunderbird is There's good, and then there's bad. There's just like with everything, just like with humans, animals, everything. There's always good. There's always bad. There has to be that balance. And we showed John Zafis this, and we talked about it, and it took about like a week or so for us to fully think about it and process what actually was the meaning of the Thunderbird and why it presented itself in a way that it did. And there is a lot of factors of why the Thunderbird came to be and because when you think about these sightings, you have to think about the timing, where you're at, you know, what's not only happening in your area, but in the world itself. And I'll go ahead and let Hero kind of dive a little bit more deeper, the lore and the history of the Thunderbird and the possible meeting meanings of its sighting in Vulture City.
4: Yeah. So you, you all have seen the, the podcast. I hope you have anyway. If not, go check it out. Um, The podcast that we we talked with Henry about, and we also talked, uh, we have it on our channel, us talking with John Zaffis about it and his particular viewpoints on it. But after this particular instance with the Thunderbird, I had to take this sighting to the High Council. So the High Council is a council of elders and a council of leaders of a lot of different tribes all throughout Turtle Island, um, pretty pretty much uh, the Americas come together and we discuss worldwide events. We discuss spiritual happenings that affect not just one tribe, but tribes all throughout the world. And we come to conclusions. We come to, uh, we come to, I guess like do ceremonies to be able to bring balance. And so I presented this particular sighting to the high council and it was actually talked about for quite a while because when you have a sighting of this particular entity, and here's the thing, this particular entity not only showed itself during ceremony, it showed itself in the smoke. It also showed itself, or audibly, you could hear it, feel it, and the presence that it had with all the spirits. After you heard the cry, the spirits went quiet because they were shushed by it. Its powerful wingbeat made every all the spirits hide. So, a beautiful that means that a being from this time period that was once put away buried underneath the earth due to the, the monster slayers and the heroes that kind of cleanse this earth from the giants and the monsters they put these evil beings away their bodies away with their spirits coming alive again it's a coming and foretelling of a prophecy and This prophecy states that one day these monsters that were put away, one day the evil that was placed away is going to rise again. They also talked in that council meeting about. They say the uranium that was dug up in the Four Corners region in the Navajo Reservation, that uranium, some of that was actually used, utilized to make nuclear arsenals in our creation stories the monster slayers the heroes utilized weapons that when the arrow would strike the monster it made a cloud of, of that looked like a tree and its implosion was so powerful it would bring these monsters down and you couldn't go to these monsters if you got close to their bodies it would get you sick now Anyone in modern times would kind of hear those stories. And that sounds a lot like a mushroom cloud. And that sounds a lot like radiation poisoning. If you go near the monsters, you would get sick. And so you bury these monsters underneath the ground. And that's why they tell us, don't dig too deep. You'll release these energies again. And just so happened that at that location at Vulture City, there is an active gold mine site. And for them to be digging where they are. It would seem to have been releasing these things and realizing this particular prophecy that when these monsters come back to this earth again, it's a time of change. It's a time of destruction. It's a time of you need to change your ways and the monster slayers need to be born again. And if that doesn't happen, if you don't have your culture, if you don't have your ceremonies, if you don't have the monster slayers born again, then we will have no choice. But to go on to the fifth world, and just like how the four worlds before were destroyed, we have to go on to the next world.
0: So that's the message, that the, the Thunderbird, reveals of that, that it means uh, that a, a cataclysm coming. You could see it that way. So I know you can't get into all the details, but tease what, to you, John, what, what, what you think the alien's message, uh, what it means, what it is for us, what we should be
3: preparing for. In the film, I was reliving the, um, the abduction, and I was being told, not with words, but with images and symbols, that there was a great change coming. And that change was going to happen within my lifetime. And that I needed to be prepared. Because, and I say in the film, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be frightening. It will be liberating. Just like Sean Clinton said, you know, there's good and bad in everything. And, uh, it will bring out the very best in people, and it will bring out the very worst in people. And this will begin with the Great War. And there will be the opening of these energies, these negative energies. And there will be things that will come upon the earth that uh, people will not be prepared for. No, the Native Americans are more in tune with the earth, more in tune with their tradition and their culture.
2: As you see, my people have not been that way. And in fact, <laughs> I mean, we argue about everything. We are, we can't agree on what a man is and what a woman is. We, we can't agree on anything. Um, and, uh, the moment you say anything, somebody wants to fight with you. So we are ill prepared because the only way
3: to survive as a species is if we have unity and we do not have unity. And, um, And, my preparation was to be a unifier, was to be able to bear what must be born, and to help completely unprepared people, because there's going to be a lot of them. You
2: know, right now, it's, you know, to bring it into the three dimensions, you know, just it was earlier in April, the U.S. government released 1,500 pages that explained that they had been studying and had information about human interaction with these craft and these entities. They talked about lost pregnancies
3: and bruises and marks and uh, radiation burns and things like this the world didn't blink their eyes. They're worried about the Ukraine, their economy, their car payment, their kids going to soccer practice. The world is asleep. The world is brain dead. And when these things come, they will take Number one, there will be no way for anyone to deny it. It will be so obvious to the world. Um, And it will be everywhere. And the
2: only way for us to survive as a species, you talk about maintaining the fourth
3: world, is for us to unite. And it does not look, from what I have, been able to recall, it does not look like that happens, it looks like that fifth world must come, and so what that will require, is it will require very specific types of people, ones that are sensitive to the earth, are aware of the spiritual realm are aware of our interconnectedness. I talk to people often about us all being one, even the star beings or aliens, whatever. I say, because regardless of your history or your faith, say God, the All-Father, the Source, the Big Bang, whatever you want to name it, the creator of all, that creator of all, and we are all pieces of that, all fragments. If you think about Christianity, there is the the man made of clay, complete, but inanimate, and what it takes is the breath of God Almighty into that clay to bring it to life. God, the creator, put himself into that. And so, we're all a little bit of God. Not God, but a little piece of God.
2: A little piece of that great spirit, that great creator. If we knew this, if we truly knew this, number
3: one, we would realize that we are representatives of that God. And people tease all the time, what would Jesus do? Well,
2: you should know. (laughs) <laughs> you should know what would you do What? so I ask this question you know okay let's, let's not go crazy let's not go, let's not go okay we're going to change everybody's life but let me ask you something if people, if every single person on the face of the planet said three words three things, if they said
3: please thank you and excuse me What would happen? There would be a complete transformation of the world. Just those three things. And we can't do it. There's something in us that refuses to do it. And so, yes, there is a lot of reason to be concerned. But there's also great opportunity for those heroes that you mentioned, and for opportunities for regular women and men to ascend, to become the people they need to become, to become aware of what they need to be aware of. And that was the gist of the lessons that I received. I will say to you that that I thought and I, I, I even say it in the film, that there's no reason to take me anymore. I, I, but they're not done with me.
2: I have, um, since this film has been done and I've been advertising it, there are many things that are happening to me. In fact, I showed a couple to Henry before we got on the air. Weird and strange things I cannot explain.
3: Activity around me that I cannot explain. And um, it's it's increasing. So no, I don't mean to, to be so solemn, but it's a serious matter. And we should be aware of it as people, because it will touch every single person on the planet. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, and, and this is a all you listening, you you know I, I
0: rarely feature films or TV shows on, on paranormal Perception. There's a reason why. Number one, I had to have you on, John. Two, why I shared it with you here in Sean Clan. Because like, like we finished up, we wrapped up the, uh, the first segment by asking you, do you think that this film has a potential to bring a little bit more gravitas to the, uh, to the abduction phenomenon? Because like I said, using, using the word abduction, that paints a negative picture in, in, in people's mind because it's like kidnapping and they, they see it that way. But when, when I see the end of, uh, of the film and, that, and you tease that message, and then again tying it, you just heard what, we, what we, the, the guys experienced, and uh, the way they explain it to me with, with the Thunderbird revealing itself, what that means. And then, again, you don't have to be psychic, medium. You don't even have to believe in the paranormal. Yeah, just look look out your window. Th- things are changing. The world is changing. And, yeah, they're, they're coming to a time when you can sit there and say, I don't believe in a God. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in UFOs. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect the way you live. It's going to affect the way you can or can't make a living. Where your kids go to school, everything—all all of that—is going to be affected. Some of us may not make it through it. Others will. Yeah, it, like like you just mentioned, John, it's time for heroes—not our—not this hero, but it's time for heroes to start showing up. It's time for people to really start waking up. And yeah, I know it's it's the cool thing to say, oh, "I'm woke, I'm woke." I've said it many times here on Paranormal Perception. Those of you that say you're woke, you're dead asleep. You really are. And this film. Hopefully, you know, it is is one of those alarm clocks. It really is. And so having said that, to wrap up, let them know, John, where, where your websites, social media, everywhere that can follow you and everything you have coming up.
2: Yes, sir. Um, <clears throat> the film is available everywhere now. Apple TV, uh, iTunes, Amazon Prime, Kino, uh, now Verizon, every cable, uh, video on demand. Now you can get it anywhere. Uh, <clears throat> I, um, as I mentioned, I've been in the business a long time, so uh, the website for us is rhinopictures.com, but um, you can follow me on on uh, Facebook or Twitter, and that's where all the new projects will become. I, at present, this film just came out uh, a few days ago on May 3rd, um, but now I'm in the middle of uh, trying to work something together to find the funding to do the next film and the next projects. And uh, hopefully I can talk to Hero uh, and Shanklan about, about their work as well. And um, because it, it is so important now more than ever, you know, so many people say, I have my truth. It's my truth. And I say, you know, I must be an old guy because when people say my truth, I, I think of an opinion that nobody else shares. That's what we used to call my truth. It was my opinion. But here's the thing. What's about to happen? You might be able to scream and shout and yell and protest. It's still coming.
3: Yeah.
0: Absolutely well said. And here, Sean Clinton, uh, do are you completely back? Do you have anything to that you want to promote or, or not yet?
1: Yeah, so next week will truly mark the whole moon cycle of when Pataya passed. So um I believe our first video that we're going to be doing is a remembrance video of Pattaya and his passing and all the great work that he's done and all the people's lives that he's touched. And remember that and all the great lessons that he brought to all you listeners and to our Unearthing the Supernatural channel. Like you said, he was our brother. We grew up with him ever since we were kids and it'll be hard and different, but we're going to press on and go on for him. The strength for, to reach those goals and to spread our message just grew even stronger and he will always be a part of unearthing the supernatural so that's gonna be our video that we're gonna be making next week so uh week next week or the week after that but you know stay tuned and we will be back fully in the next week or two
0: and everything that john yost just mentioned just uh, click on john's name on the on the show description it, it'll take you to the website to the move the, the, everything, everything it's all on there. Same with Unearthed and Supernatural. Click on their name. It'll take you to their, their YouTube channel, to everything Unearthed and Supernatural. So again, John, thanks a lot to you for coming on. This is a great conversation. We can go on for another 10 hours and, and not be bored. You're welcome back on the show anytime. And and I think you are going to come back and not not just talk about this film, but you, you, we've talked about some other paranormal topics off the air that I think the audience would definitely want, want to be privy to. So like I said, you have a open invitation to come back anytime. Thank you, sir. And everybody else, a quick tease for for next week. Like I said, it's it's getting hot, it's getting hotter. Not quite not officially summer yet, but somebody forgot to tell the sun, it's getting hot in a lot of places, which means we all want to go out. We all want to go into places where there's air conditioning. Yeah, movie theaters is one. Another one for us paranormal people, paracons, paranormal conferences. Those are happening. There's a couple That three actually, there's a couple that are happening. One later, when it starts getting cool, finally in October. That's our own OC Paracon. But before that, there's a couple more. And next week, I'll introduce you to the organizer and you hear all about it. Maybe you'll get excited and want to go. We'll see. That's all next week. So everybody stay safe. Have a great weekend. And come on back next week for a new perception of the paranormal. And that was Paranormal Perception.
3: The views and opinions heard on Paranormal Perception are those of the guests and host of the show. Factual statements are accompanied by backing data, articles or other corroborating materials, either stated on the show or included in the show description. Any views or opinions expressed on the show are not intended to malign any religion,
1: ethnic group, club, organization, company or individual.
0: New episodes every Friday. Visit paranormalperception.show to listen. At Paraperception1 on Twitter. At Paranormal Perception2 on Instagram. Paranormal Perception with Henry
3: San Miguel. Paranormal Perception was produced by 22 Creations Multimedia LLC.